Stockton coming to you from London, England. And I'm Alashansi coming to you from Peach, Hungary. Ah, I thought you were still there. Yes. Well, for the next two weeks, actually. Wow. How are the holidays, by the way, so far? Uh, it's been okay. I was uh, I was sick uh, last week. Uh, I got a I got I got the cold. Um last Tuesday I was at the um Tissot boutique opening in your old Heimat in Frankfurt mm-hmm. and um, it was rainy and cold. And I think I, I was, um, even though I, I wear, I, um, well, tried to wear layers. It didn't really work. Uh, it did work, but I still got, <clears throat> guess, um, this, the, the rain didn't help and the, the wind. And anyways, I was a bit sick. You didn't wax your barber jacket before you went, did no, you? No, no, absolutely not. That, that must've been a problem. Also, Terrible. it's very difficult to wax my barber jacket if I don't have one. So, Oh, well, see there, that, you're yeah. going to catch a cold every single time. I know, right? Or it could be my red wing, because I was actually wearing my red wing boots. They were probably, <sighs> I wasn't wearing um, thin, thick enough socks, you know. So that must have been the problem. But yeah, I was sick for the for the first, uh, well, for the first few weeks, well, for the whole week, actually. And um, it was not the best to drive back um, while popping pills. Not the type of pills that people usually pop. Um, those who pop, not me. Um, yeah, so it was like that, but but I'm better. I'm I'm all good. So holidays was easy. How about you guys? Yeah, very very laid back. I mean, same thing here. Most of us had some sort of ailment leading up into I, I would say up until about four or five days before, and hmm. well, it's probably COVID. Um, a lot of that floating around, but. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing debilitating. Um, but no, it was it was nice. It's been kind of rainy here. Um oh, we, we can say happy new year to our listeners because this will come out oh. on the second. So very, very happy new year. Right. Happy New Year to everyone who's listening. Good good to good to Ruch. Nice uh what is that? Good uh Pig good slide. In the dirt. Good slide into the new year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, Frost noise. Frost noise. Um, yeah. So no, it's 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 been nice though. I think um, you know the the run up was really good. I mean, we haven't spoken in a in over a week, and um, obviously here there's a lot of um, a lot of boozing that goes on. I'd never been to a pub on uh, Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, and I stopped in at both, and it was a very um, it was a crazy sight. So they mm. they really did a lot of business that day. Um, so yeah, that was cool. I went and saw the uh, Stranger Things musical, or mm-hmm. not musical, the play, um, which was pretty cool. It was a little bit of a slow burn, at least the first half, but effects were pretty cool. Um, so for those mm. out there who really are into that show, I mean, I've watched them. It's uh I think it's it's something that most fans will, if they get over here, will eventually want to see. Um, trying to think what else has been going on. Um, 
what the last year's last episode was uh my talk with Gary Steingard, which yeah, got um, a couple cool. of positive positive feedback. Um again also some constructive uh, as well people telling me how far Fortsheim is uh, from Frankfurt and all that stuff but that's okay I never said I live in Frankfurt so um, it's all good thank you for pointing that out um, but overall I think the, um, the the sentiment was very positive and I think um, yeah, Gary's a very easy guy to talk to I mean I, I, to be honest I just had to you know throw the topic in and he just went on and on Not and on that, right? so, yeah, absolutely. He's a super easy uh, guy to talk to, and he loves watches. I think it, it came through the episode how passionate he is about watches and everything else um, connected to the history of, well, the, the, the watches he has, but, you know, horology in general. So um, it, was, um, it was a great episode. I well, I mean, <laughs> because I did it, I hope it was a great episode. It was very great to do it, to, to record it and edit it. And um, shout out to Gary again for uh, being uh, such a, a lovely guest. So. Yeah, very very cool indeed. Um, yeah, you and I had <clears throat> thought about maybe using that episode for the new year and possibly getting together for Christmas, but I fumbled that one. I um, I thought I had yeah, all these days. busy busy weeks. Uh, you you had uh, guests over. I'm I was traveling, working, so it's a uh, uh, yeah. It's it's always people think that the end of the year is always easy because you're just relaxed. I, I feel it's it's one of the busiest times of, of the year for me. It is. And there's always something more to do. And, yeah. you know, I, I we use like a family calendar on the uh, iPhone, you know, and I had totally forgotten that that Friday we were going to record before Christmas, I was due to go to Borough Market here and pick up a bunch of stuff for um, the holidays. And I think, as I told you, uh, like most things here, you go out uh, to do that stuff, and it turns into a um, a bit of a of a session, meaning some mm. beers, and uh, you also end up meeting up with somebody who's in the t- in the city. You know, oh yeah, well let's meet up, and then before you know it, you know the day is uh, what was supposed to take three hours takes six. So yeah, what happened that day? But um, no, it. Uh, I- I'm glad you're your episode went out and hopefully provided people some really good listening enjoyment while they were either traveling or getting the heck away from their family into the other room, maybe for an hour. Um, (laughs) But it's, um, but here we are for new year's at least. And um, let's see, I wanted to talk about a couple things maybe before we get into the Henga links and our main topic. Um, First off, um, the, the week before Christmas, I met up with uh, Lawrence here. We went out for a few beers, um, actually not that many beers because we, we jumped into a lot of watch boutiques and um, we stopped into Selfridges and we took a look at the, um, the Chopard area because he was keen on seeing this LUC 1860 mm-hmm. with Sam and Dial, which of course they did not have. <laughs> Um, but the, the gentleman there was really friendly and we, we handled a turbion and all kinds of like crazy stuff. Um, but he said that they have over 600,000 pounds in deposits for that salmon dialed watch. How much is the watch? 24,000, uh, euros. So it's or like 20 orders basically. 
more like yeah, well, when I read it, uh, an RJ's article, they plan to basically make a hundred of these or so a year. <laughs> I think there'll be some people waiting, but I, I was blown away. I don't think they've, I mean, I don't want to speak for them, but I don't know if they've really been faced with such a order and history. Right. So yeah, yeah well, yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, a huge number. Um, I saw it in New York at watch time, mm-hmm. I think. Um, to be honest, that's just me. Again, my subjective opinion. If I had 25K for a watch, that LUC is, is down on my wish list. There's like about 185,000 pieces above that. But that's just <laughs> me. It doesn't. It doesn't mean it's not a nice watch because it is, and it's beautifully made. And then there's no doubt about that, the fact that Chopar, when you look at the timepieces, they're, they're beautifully made objects. You know, the, the polishing, the movements, the decorations up there. It's just not my cup of tea. But it's it's a it's a very. I mean, and LUCs are always granted. They're always something special, right? Because you have the the you know the the quote unquote regular models sure. and the yeah. yeah yeah yeah. But then LUC is always the. Um, Above, I wouldn't right? say the, wouldn't say the AMG of Chopar, but you know, it's the it's the top of a shelf kind of models for sure. Yeah, I think the um, look. I like it because it's like thirty six and a half mils and um, no date. So they did a lot of nice things with that watch. That you know, they corrected things that I didn't like in prior similar models. And yeah, but, but it's nice to see them getting attention. Um, it's nice to see a very different kind of watch getting that kind of attention. Uh, we did try on the, um, you know, just the the typical Alpine Eagle there as well. And then they mm-hmm. had uh, one example of the titanium version that limited edition with the um, kind of like black gray dial. And I gotta say, I really like the Alpine Eagle. I, I mean, I'm not I'm not in that market. Um, I do sort of wish it didn't have Roman numerals on it, but I, I like the watch. I think it's really nicely made. Uh, the dial is really pretty. So when you walked into the Chopard store, they had 25 pre-orders for the LUC. And when you walked out, they had 26 <laughs> and it wasn't Lawrence. No, they did not have 26 <laughs> cause we couldn't try it on, you know? Um, oh, yeah. oh, there you go. No, but I, it, it, uh, but it was a very nice experience. And then, we went walking um, along one of the high streets, you know, not too far from that area. And one of the ADs for a number of brands, including Longines, Breguet, um, JLC, Panerai, had, and, and it'd been a long time since I've seen this. I mean, this brings me back a bit, but they had like a section of their a showcase window dedicated to brand new watches that were on discount. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they had like a Breguet, I don't know, whatever the traditional two hand model is. And, and like all these watches in there were like 40% off, which was wild. Um, that, so they had one of those, they had a JLC um, master control, 36 millimeter stainless steel with the moon phase, but it's not a chronograph. And that was a really nice watch ultra thin. Um, so it was like eight K, you know, and that was down 40%. And we both kind of remarked that that 
kind of felt like where that watch should be priced, maybe. <laughs> mm. So, you know, what JLC did with their prices, obviously, is just wild, right? So, um, but yeah, it was interesting to see some brand new watches. They had, there was a Longine, um, you know, the um, historic model, the the sector dial, the three-hand piece. Um, uh, yes, yes, I know, yeah. It was a beautiful watch, huh? Yeah, that was there, 40% off, uh, like 1,500 or 1,400 pounds or something. And um, that was a really nice watch. Um, we, we ended up taking a couple of those out, taking a look at them. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting to see the uh, the sale sign on without any discussion. So that will hmm. um, frame part of our discussion later. So, um, Oh, okay, okay. The other thing I wanted to mention was the most recent uh, Periscope article on the Rolex Space Dwellers. Um, now, now we are um, now we Getting are bo- boating <laughs> onto murky waters. <laughs> so, you know, whenever he releases an article, I, I I enjoy reading it. It's interesting. I mean, he goes to a lot of uh, goes through a lot of research, and you know, I I read through it. Um, and it, it is a very straightforward article to read, whereas some of them can get pretty complex about the, the sleuthing that he's done. But, you know, the takeaway on this article was basically that, you know, the, the call it the 13 or so or watches that have been identified out there all have very different serial numbers, which is apparently not like Rolex there. The, the serial numbers span a fairly wide number of years in the sixties. The dials are not consistent with what an Explorer dial would look like for the serial number. So he has essentially stated that the watches didn't come with those dials and these dials were, you know, sold as loose and whether or not they're real or not is, you know, a question as well. And the, the other thing that um, was interesting in there is that I think at least two of the watches um, he was able to show were in different cases before or di- the dials were in different Explorer cases previously. One of them sort of righted the wrong and put it in a case that was a little more appropriate for the, um, you know, oh, the boy. dial age and the serial number. So it basically it, 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 it was funny and it, it look, so- I, Go go ahead. No, no, just, go. just I just wanted to I just wanted to just quickly summarize because um, I haven't read the whole story. I started reading it. You have obviously, but so for those of those of you guys or us actually who haven't read the whole article, basically the story is that there is a sky dweller that was apparently made in the fifties for the jet. The story goes right. Space made dweller. in the f- space dweller. Sorry, in yes, sixties in the early in 60s. the sixties for the Japanese market. Right, that's the story to celebrate. Um, John, John Glenn over there for the Mercury. Yes. But then he says that he thinks, Periscope as in, thinks that the dials came from, as you said, as loose dials came from Texas. Yep. So one story says that the watches were made by Rolex for the Japanese market, as is they're basically explorers with explorer-like space dweller dials. But then he says, Periscope says that the dials were separate and made in Texas. 
if yeah, I'm correct. It, it either made or sold in Texas. Or sold in Texas, and right. So, and, and the weird thing is, like, the dials are gilt, but the Space Dweller writing is in white, yeah, which is already kind of weird. Um, so, okay, it could mean that they grabbed some and added it later or whatever if Rolex did that. But, yeah, just a, a very interesting story. There are some big names called out there who own these watches, um, one of whom in the article goes out to basically say, yeah, he thinks his watch is dubious. Um, like and Roger dubious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but, but the thing that I took away from it and um, I'll fall on the sword here is that it highlights something very interesting in this hobby. And I guess it's not just in this, in this hobby, it's anyone, but you know, if you tell a bullshit story once and it somehow survives and it just becomes record, it lives on, right? And I see this all the time when I'm, you know, writing a story about a vintage piece and I want to add a little bit of background. You know, you really mm-hmm. start to see the same information everywhere. And sometimes you can read it and it's it's not overly creative information, so you can make a decision on whether or not it's factual or at least in line with, you know, you know, what should be factual. But basically he shows here that not only is this Japanese story a bit questionable, but the auction auction listings basically since 20 years have basically used the same uh, verbiage (laughs) verbatim. And, um, (laughs) When describing these watches, copy paste. Yeah, so it, it's like. You I mean, know, then just, again, sort to catch off. But then, I mean, of course, you have to do your research, right? We also do that sometimes. We we do go on websites when we write about certain watches and and we read those articles. And obviously, it's very easy to to like spread false information. But then, copy pasting and using 10, 15 year old auction lots or des- lot descriptions uh, um, as research or copy pasting them is obviously not the same thing, right? Yeah. I just want to play devil's advocate a little bit here. No, 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 that's true. But but what I will tell you is that I've put some things in articles before where people have written to me and said, hey, you know, just an FYI, this has been debunked. So like a good yeah. example, yeah. Seiko, the one that gets told all the time um, is that the Daini and Sua factories were in competition with each other. And yes. that's basically been debunked. But if you look on most sites, it's absolutely there. If you look in probably some of my older articles, it's there. But basically, a couple of years ago, somebody was able to sit down with somebody who was very high up, and that, that wasn't the case. Um, or, now, or if you think of the flat Jedi, Jedi story, that's also the same thing, right? The yep. Jedi was a watch that... Chuck Maddox named the Jedi in the auctionada. Um, was it auctionada? Uh, yeah, wasn't it? The mm-hmm. Omega Omega um, um, Mania um, article. Um, I mean, auction. They called the wrong watch the Jedi, and everybody started to run with it. Whereas, yep. and then they started to call the real Jedi the Flat Jedi. Well, if a nickname form? comes from Chuck, hmm. Is it Anticorum or Auctionata? I don't remember. But. No, it could be Anticorum. Sorry, you, you, you might be right. It's the Omega uh, Mania, Mania um, auction from 2000, whatever. 
And yep. if you call if somebody nicknames it the Jedi, it's the Jedi. Just because you make a mistake, it's not going to alter the nickname. So yeah, another example. Yeah. So th- this is um, there's some interesting takeaways in the articles, but I I guess um, you know I know people in the auction business here in London, and what's fascinating is that people come back after years, Balash, we're, we're talking 20 years and we'll submit a claim to try to get their money back. If they found out that, you know, something is dodgy about what they bought. So and you, I wonder, and, but they should, right? Yeah. Well, I, I guess so. But on the other hand, at what point, you know, do you, as an auction house, if you've seen so many sales of these things and I'm, I, I really, and I'm not defending the auction houses, but I mean, this has basically been fact up until now. Obviously, very badly researched fact, but, but basically, these watches were were kosher until until a few days ago. And and in any case, it will be interesting to see what happens. And I think that, yeah, I wouldn't go near one of those, honestly, not yeah. at all. So yeah. Uh... But then again, this is like the fifty-seventh story about, as you said, dubious lots being offered by auction houses with mm-hmm. questionable history or provenance. Um, and I don't know. I mean, if 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 you know what, if the story is true or not about Japan is one thing, right? But mm-hmm. if you can prove that. At least two of those, which, as you said, were seen, or those two of those dials were seen in different watches, watch cases than they are in now. What does it tell you? Run. Yeah, absolutely. Shady Run. as F, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Just really yeah. bad. And yeah, and then again, I, it 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 begs the question: Who's researching these lots before they go in, into the catalog? Nobody. <laughs> who are the experts who say, "Hey, this is a kosher well, watch"? Yeah, not not nobody. I mean, we know the names, right? Yeah, some yeah. of the names, and there's there's. And, and again, sorry, without sounding elitist, because we've already got these comments before. You can research, and you see who those people are. Yeah. You can go and, into these auction houses and see who the experts are. And, you know, people forget. I mean, here we are doing a podcast on watches. So obviously it's a big deal to us, but this market is very small and very tight compared to cars or paintings or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Right. And the number of secrets out there are few and far between, you know, when it comes to a certain network of, of folks who I want to say have cornered this, but you know, have mm-hmm. a, have a pretty strong stranglehold on, you know, what goes, what doesn't. And <sighs> I, I think it, I think it's, I think it's gotten in 2023. I, I think it really got out of hand and it's time. It, I, I think it has been for a while, by the way, not just 2023. This was the year that it started to get, um, some light shed upon it. Um, but yeah. it's, it's got to yeah. change. And I mean, word gets around, like people know 
um, what they know. The only thing is, I think we're all guilty of this, you know, not not you and me personally, but everybody in the industry, because we all know nobody asks the question. Instead, they try to throw shade at the person or the people who write about these things. Ah, oh, he's bitter. Oh, she's jealous. Oh, they are this, they are that. Maybe, but that's not the question. The question is what they say is true or not. And if it is true, or if there is some truth in it, why nobody's talking about it? Yeah. Why nobody's asking the same question? Well, is it really fake or is it really a put together? Is it really the wrong serial number? Whatever the whatever the statement is, right? Why so is what, nobody asking about that? What I don't understand um, <clears throat> is that, you know, on the vintage watch front and with auction houses and whatnot, I'm not really sure why there isn't um, more of a public asking, as you say, because they're they're not driving, you know, ad sales and whatnot at at watch publications, right? So it's not Mm -hmm. like, it's very different than going on and saying a new watch from a brand really sucks and they should be ashamed of themselves. I mean, that's a... Well, obviously we're advocates. If we don't like something, we should we should figure out how to say it. But I think it's a it's a very different decision or a very different discussion. Whereas vintage watches, you're not hurting anybody when you're saying that you're you're really bringing something to light that needs to be brought to light, right? And I don't get it. I don't. I don't. But I think the the problem is, and and I don't know how you feel, but the like like you say there there's a very clear network of folks who have a lot of influence in this space um and it's very mutually beneficial for everyone to sort of huddle together and defend yeah, yeah. but it's still worth to talk about it um because no it well, is it this, is this guy periscope for example because it's this article is is obviously by him i guess he doesn't benefit from I don't know I don't know if he benefits from you know unearthing these stories or theories, um, um, yeah I don't I don't I don't know if that's a uh, if he has like a a hidden agenda, um, but that's another story right because now we're getting into his character and I've never met the guy and I don't know anything about him other than what I see online so I, I don't want to get into that yeah, I, I, I really mean, have I, no clue I I think that. Uh, I'm with you, right? Like no clue in the background, right? But if I take the articles at face value um, and, you know, assume for example, that he didn't know something five years ago and decided not to say anything till now, which I would, I would be concerned about. Right. But if he's just compiled all this research and was finally ready to publish, then fine. Then I, I take it at face value and I just see it as, you know, yet another bruised eye for the industry. And frankly, a lot of big name folks getting drawn into it again. Yeah. Right. And you can hide behind your expensive Swiss lawyers, you know, but if buyers won't come, then (laughs) then, you know, there's not going to be any lawsuits. You don't need to worry about that for sure. But instead of, and I don't know if anybody does that, if any auction house does that, but that's the rumors, right? Like people are, or people are questioning things and the auction houses are, you know, lawyering up. 
if you have nothing to prove, <laughs> uh, I mean, if you have if you have if you haven't done any mistake, then I guess legally you still have to prove that. But then your conscience is clean, then uh, it's another story. But I guess the best defense is offense. So you know what I mean, like. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, if they have nothing to hide, then should be totally fine with it. I think, yeah. like, if I look at these watches, and and again, we don't know if the dials are real or not. Um, okay, the the story sits out there that Rolex services these watches because, and and that and that therefore makes them legitimate. Now, I didn't look at any of the paperwork on. Um, a recent dial or so I think there was one sold at Phillips or something recent um, that had some mm. service paperwork, which apparently adds a level of legitimacy to the watch. Because but, but who knows what dial the watch had when they serviced it? Right? Exactly. That's, that's what I would like to know. And I didn't read the paperwork to see if it specifically said space dweller mm. on the dial. Right. Mm. Um, so yeah, for all we know, it could have been a service dial on there and they swapped it. So so imagine that. Imagine we're talking about you know twenty twenty three twenty twenty. Not they swapped it. Somebody swapped it. Who could be no, anybody? Sure. Right? Could have been sure. the owner of the watch who put it in for sale, right? So right. So so imagine if we're thinking about twenty twenty four, and I'm jumping you know a bit ahead to our main topic. Imagine if Rolex comes out in twenty twenty four and says, "Ask us anything. We're going to open our archives. You can request these." Th- th- then these theories are are debunked immediately. The Daytonas, yeah. the Paul Newmans, the the the, the space dwellers, the this, the that, everything is debunked. These theories exist. These people benefit. Let that be an auction house, a, a seller, whatever, because Rolex doesn't talk. Because most of these, not all of them, of course, or many of these, let's just say, um, controversial watches are Rolex watches. Yeah, but but I would argue, Balash, that. So Rolex, I mean, they, they they could do this, right? I mean, they would have, I don't know, they'd need a, an army of people to answer all the questions, right? I mean, just think of all the <laughs> the watches out there that people would want to suddenly get some sort of confirmation about. But sure. the the millions. Uh, yeah, yeah, millions and millions. And but at the end of the day, <clears throat> we've talked about this, right? Number one. They're interested in selling new watches. And number two, the fact that they've remained enigmatic has been beneficial for them because their old watches are worth money and nobody's the wiser. So it's like it, it helps them with new watches, I, I would argue, because people of course. think they something that, that's going to be worth something one day, right? And well, Absolutely. So I, I think that... Um, yeah, there's zero chance of them ever doing that other than, you know, you sending a watch in that they refuse to service, which just sort of tells you that it's not right. But no, I think, yeah, I, I, I think that um, it's going to become, we're going to see more and more outbursts like this and more backlash, I think. Um, and And look, there's ways to sort of solve this, right? It's about disclosure. I mean, it's always been about disclosure. I think that, you know, it, it, these dials may be not a good example, right? But if these dials are real and they're from a certain era, 
and you simply disclose that, you know, yeah, the dial is loose, but it's still rare and it's still original. Um, and here's the original Explorer dial, but we've put the Space Dweller dial into this watch and we're selling both as a set with the watch. And um, I think that goes a long way towards sounding more legitimate than what else, than what's been going on here, you know? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm fully with you. Fully with you. So, I, I, I'm, I don't understand, you know, it's like I always use the adage that, you know, if you have a very, very rare car and you dent it up or something, it's still the only one of that vehicle. Right. And mm. I think that still has a hell of a lot of value. Um, and therefore just disclosing more, I think would really help bring a lot of, um, a little more confidence to the situation. Um, uh, but Again, knowing some of the inner workings of this now more and more uh, of just the auction market and everything, you know, the competition that these auction houses go to to try to win a, a certain sale is it's pretty interesting, you know? Um, yeah. And I'm not suggesting they sell their souls, but sometimes it's guarantees of certain levels and stuff like that. And these folks all are under pressure like anyone else that doesn't make it right to do something underhanded, but you can imagine that things slip. So. If they slip and not done on purpose, arguably. Exactly. Exactly. So anyhow, what's on your wrist? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say, if you guys, anything to say about this, please let us know in the comments. Cause we love to um, read. Um, comments and mike always answers them i'm not so much of an answer but he is um so on my wrist is a grand psycho 5646 minus as they say in german dash seven zero one zero um i travel right so i'm not really bringing a lot of watches i have like um let's say three watches here one being the, the, the g-shock because i was driving so that's my travel watch and i have the psycho uh, i have this this only one grand psycho automatic high beat day date um it's probably one of the most um loved vintage grand psycho in my opinion Grand cycles because I, I really see this a lot the 56 um 56 46 um mm -hmm. so I guess it's it's a it's a you know it's a great size great movement high beat automatic day date very easy to wear um and I thought you know it's now again um parka season jacket season so I'm not really wearing anything big so it's just perfect under the cuff. Um, so um, I was wearing this uh, the whole day today, probably going to continue wearing it for the evening. Very simple watch, two-hander, um, as in three-hander, uh, two black hands. And um, yeah. Very nice. That's it. Yeah, not, nothing nice special. Indeed. Thank you. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. What's on yours, though? Another cycle? So no, actually, since yesterday, um, failed to take a picture of it for Speedy Tuesday, but no, I'm wearing my um, 
1957 reissue, the hmm. 29, was it 2915 dash one? The one from the trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. There's a 2998-1, which, which is it? Um, the uh, original model. Uh, Always get it to uh, step here. Um, the 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 first ever speed yeah, speedmaster with the steel um, bezel and the and the and the broad arrow hands. Yeah, that was part of the trilogy set, or you could buy it separately. Correct. With the so, difference that the trilogy had the trilogy on the dial, and the other one didn't. It's the twenty nine twenty fifteen. Yeah, twenty nine fifteen. <laughs> The uh, the watch that was part of another dubious uh, auction. <laughs> Stop it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this watch um, I did not buy the trilogy set, um, but I've um, yeah I've got it as um, on the uh, Forstner Comfort bracelet, so the uh, mesh sort of JB Champion style. You don't like the original bracelet because that's a fat, flat link, but kind of thick bracelet, right? That it comes it's with too original. Thick. Yeah, I, okay. I've got the um, I got the Forstner flat link, and I wear yeah. that with it usually. But I don't know. Last night I was just in the mood to um, put on the comfort. It's comfy. <laughs> so, so here's a question. Because funnily enough, I was I, I met um, a good friend of mine, kind of like a mentor of mine today, and he wants to buy um, a Speedmaster. And I told him that he should get the the Hasselite version, the new one with the thirty eight sixty one, you know, um, the, the you know all that jazz. And he told me just today that he really likes this one, the nineteen fifty seven. Um, and he asked me what I think about it, and I said, "Well, you know, it's the first; it's a reedition of the first model, and the no crown guard, and blah 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 blah." And he said he really likes the look of this one. This is a sixty plus year old gentleman, right? He he mm-hmm. he wears um, good watches, but cheap watches, and he wants to have um, the the watch. Would you say that he should go for the this one, the, the nineteen fifty seven, or the regular, the new? regular Hasselite speed or the Sapphire Speedmaster? What do you think? Well, let's throw Sapphire out of the uh, discussion altogether. Yeah, me, I would yeah, never okay. go with that. Um, so Speedy because, Speedy Moon or re, or 50, uh, 1957 edition? It's a really As tough a D1 watch. I know. That I, and I told him, I'm going to say, I told him, if you have a Speedmaster, you should get the trilogy. But if you only want one watch, I would go for the regular Speedmaster. Now, I know we have people like Lex, who I think only has the previous version, I should say, the previous version of this watch as his only Speedmaster, right? What is that thing called? The the broad 1957 broad arrow. Something like that, right. The twisted So you could get that one. Obviously, you can get whatever you want, but what would you say? Hmm. I'm going to say something that I wouldn't normally say um, because I'm usually a fan of going discontinued and limited, but I would go with the new one on two accounts. Mm -hmm. The bracelet, three. Bracelet, the movement, and the fact that it doesn't have Fotina. Fair. I I just think it's... um, it's a modern watch. I mean, this is a modern watch too, but I feel like this watch is really made more for you and I. Like, yeah, 
proper nerds. Um, the the ones who it. understand what it is, right? Yeah. Now, I don't know what his wrist is like and what size of watch he likes, but obviously this is a smaller watch, so it does fit um, if if you've got a smaller wrist. No, he's he's. I think I think he's he's um, he's got like a regular size wrist, so either forty two speedy or this is what I like at forty forty plus, right? Like forty point something. This I think one. It's- just below 40 isn't it okay so 39 yeah so um i think either or um but i i i as i said i'm also team uh team Hasselite. then again if that 1957 is more aesthetically pleasing i told yeah. him you should go and get that one price is i think is seven something on the Hasselite, eight something on this one or nine so it's pretty much the same I mean, if you buy seven you pay seven you might as well pay eight um yep. but yeah okay now you're we are we 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 are I mean, you could look at the first Omega in space, but I I was never a huge fan of that watch, to be honest. No, me either. Me either. Just sort of a weird matchup, I thought. And it's Sapphire as well, so... And only on a strap, so... Yeah, right. Um, Well, I can get the 321. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's a 17,000 euro watch versus a 7,000 euro watch, right? So Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... <clears throat> so yeah, that's what I what I've been wearing, and um, first time I've Great worn choice. a speedy in a while, to be honest with you. Um, so today's topic, what we're going to talk about is uh, just some of the the trends and and some of the stories in 2023, and then looking ahead into 2024. And you know, we uh, I I didn't really confer with you heavily on the topic. So we can talk about specifics. We can talk about general trends, whatever you want to bring up. We'll just do it for a little while until we either think we've done enough or run out of stuff to talk about. But um, I, I've, I've written down a few things and um, you know, we can start with 2023, just about some of the trends and some of the big stories. And um I think we covered the auction house piece pretty well, but obviously this was a pretty kind of an ugly year for auction houses and a lot of scandal um, issues, really all the, all the recent auctions. And obviously the, I I feel like the whole thing kicked off obviously with the Omega story um, when that broke. Um, And you know, that, that's been quiet for a while. I think, I guess it's still under investigation or whatever the heck is going on in the Swiss court system. But that was obviously a, you know, it was a pretty big, um, yeah, I, I I think it shook a lot of people, um, just in terms of, you know, names weren't given, but anybody in this hobby knows some of the folks, or at least, you know, one of the folks who is sort of (laughs) not named. And, um, I think that was, a. That was a really, I'll I'll put it out there. It was a little bit of a tough day for a lot of folks. Yeah. Hmm. No, absolutely. Yeah. Kind of similarly, um, if if we could just go into the market itself, I mean, this was obviously the year that, you know, I think it, it started in 22, but in 23, you know, we absolutely saw a sustained continued drop in, secondary prices on some of the, you know, most hyped watches from the COVID period. And I would call it a little bit of fatigue just in the market in general. And 
maybe another point that I noticed is that, and it wasn't in all cases, but a lot of limited editions are having trouble selling out quickly these days, especially if they're high priced. Um, so those were those were some of the I don't want to call it negative, but some of the negative things that uh, I saw in 2023. So any any thoughts on that front? I mean, the auction thing, I don't want to touch because you kind of talked about this before and, and just even today, not necessarily the Omega topic, but the other ones. I mean, uh, um, yeah, at, at least that was a thing where, where Omega talked about um, – they told their side of the story where in a lot of the other cases, as we said, auction houses don't talk. Mm-hmm. By the way, they didn't talk in this instance either. Um, brands don't talk. So I think that's a, a, a kudos for, um, you know, yeah, to make for bringing clarity into this whole topic. <clears throat> right. That's, 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 I want to, all I want to say about that. Um, when it comes to the, um, the market, it's, it's interesting because I'm, I'm, I hear people saying that the price are going the price are going down and they are going down and other people saying that the price are rationalizing back to where they used to be pre-covid. So I'm I don't want to look at the watch market as the stock market because it is not. Right? People say invest in watches is better than stocks. No it's not. Stocks are stocks and watches are watches. I think one is not better than the other. It's just completely different, right? Invest in real estate it's better than stocks. I don't think so either. I'm not an expert. I'm not a, a, a financial guy. You know, I, I don't. I don't know anything about that. But I. But I do think that stocks are stocks, and in real estate is real estate, and watches is, is watches. T- totally different story, right? Watches you need to service. Real estate you need to upkeep and all that stuff. So, yes, there are common denominators when it comes to the, the value. But I think it's they cannot. You cannot compare them. Now, is it? Is it a good thing to invest in watches now or buy watches now and and try not to lose money? Yes and no. In certain models and certain certain brands, yes. In others, no. But guess what? Pre-COVID, it was exactly the same thing. Certain watches gained value or kept their value or you just lost a little bit. And with other watches, you lost a lot. Um, I think... So I agree with you. I think there's one... Um, thing I'd point out, and again, this wasn't just 23, it was happening in 2022, but it, I feel like it really came full circle this year. So yes, we have seen a drop on the secondary market and heard these arguments about it, how, you know, going back to normal and whatnot. I think the one thing that I've noticed is that the retail prices for watches you know, maybe to some degree, these these companies have seen what's gone on on the secondary market and have capitalized on that, or is um, um, you know, just trying to keep pace there. But the the new the new prices for watches are not going to go down. You know, they're I don't, yeah, that's unheard of, right? They're not going to just announce a price cut. Um, it just doesn't work <laughs> with a luxury good, right? Imagine, oh, what prices are? Oh, okay, twenty percent off on every watch. Yeah, so it's not going to happen. So I think um, that's interesting, and I and, and watches are expensive now. They're really expensive, um, mm-hmm. you know, from the big brands, and they were never cheap. But they're really expensive now. 
Um, yeah. I mentioned one of the brands earlier that was in that sale, and I feel like they've, they've really jacked up their prices to a degree that it's sort of a shame um, because JLC was always a bit of a, I always thought kind of a, a cool, very if, high, if, high value. If you place know, you know. Money. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, yeah. it just was like not flashy, but it just like a really good place to, to get a great watch. And now they're really expensive. So yeah, I don't know. And we, we can talk about that for 24, but I think it's going to get interesting. I think it's going to get really interesting and interesting, not in a good way, sadly. So, hmm. um, so just on the, the style front, um, I know you've got some thoughts here. I, I wrote down three things, mm-hmm. smaller. Oh, they're all S's too. Let's see. I need to put them in. Um, they're all what? S's. Oh, okay. I, <laughs> I heard something <laughs> else. <laughs> Simple, smaller, square. So these three things, not necessarily all together, I feel like um, we're the all three fairly. Three S's of 2023. Yeah. We're all. Or, as the Germans year. say, the three S's of 2023. <laughs> Oh, I can I can add a I can add a fourth S to that list. Okay, salmon dial. Ooh, or you said color, so you could say shades. How about that? Shade, ooh, there you go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Yeah, and so I, I do feel like um, with those trends, it's kind of interesting. We're kind of back to a place that we were. 20 odd years ago. <laughs> so, you know, sort of re um, bringing, you know, a slightly different form of, of things that, that were in at one point. And the difference is, I guess, these simple watches, which maybe you could loosely define as dress watches, certainly aren't getting paired with suits and ties as much anymore as they used to be. Right. So it's just mm-hmm. a change in or an acceptance of a style that is, has kind of been quiet for quite a while. So yeah, those are some of the things that um, I saw in 2023. What other things did you see in terms of trends? Yeah, the color is obviously there. I mean, if you think of the, the moon swatch, if you think of the Kermit Oris or even the, um, the oyster perpetual dials, you know, by Rolex um, there's, there's a lot of colors. There's a lot of, playfulness i should say um compared to previous years i guess mm, maybe it also goes to show that uh, as i said before the industry is getting a bit um lazy so that the the real big innovations are maybe not one of the features of 2023 um i also think that as i said salmon salmon is is one color that that stands out to me like you know volcano did uh, one, I think Breitling did one. Um, Fashion Constantin did one. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, you could argue that Salmon's always been on the, on the market, so whatever. Um, um, but you mentioned Square. You can talk about that. Um, I also think the, 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 there's a, quite a few interesting pieces in titanium. Maybe this is a 2023, 2022, 2023 thing, because, you know, the Tudor, um, Pelagos was in titanium last year. Then, of course, this year we had the new Yachtmaster, Rolex Yachtmaster in titanium, right? Um, the new IWC engineers in titanium. 
Um, uh, so I guess that's also there. Um, and I think that's maybe not a 2023 trend, but again, that's something that is that is peaking maybe this year is that the usage of different materials is cases. So, you know, we, we're talking about the Doxa carbons. We're talking about the titanium Rolexes. Um, maybe bronze, not so much anymore. Um, see a lot of precious metal as well. A lot of white gold, a lot of yellow gold, which is interesting compared to previous years. Um um, smaller sizes, yes, I totally agree with you. I think we also talked about this in the past that that, that I, I quite enjoy seeing watches that are around 40, maybe even below 40 millimeters compared to the 44 plus monstrosities from, from a couple of years ago. Um, let me think, what else is there? Uh, is there anything else on your list? Have I have I missed anything? No, I, I'm... No, I don't think so. I mean, we can sort of transition into some predictions into into 2024 if you'd like. Um, and maybe I have a question for you. Yeah. Yeah, go for it. For 2024. So, I don't know if you saw on our site the other day, there was like an article. I, I, I admittedly didn't read it, but it was, uh, I think Lex wrote it about just, uh, I think it's the Hofstraat in uh, Amsterdam just becoming kind of like a, a haven for watch boutiques. Yeah. Like brand owned boutiques. Mm-hmm. And I can't say that I've gone in and tested this, but I think most of the brand boutiques don't negotiate on price. Right. Um, I wonder Balash, if 2024 becomes a really tough year, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I won't say names, but there are some big brands this year that are apparently down more than 25% year to date in terms of sales. Yeah. Um, do you think that these freestanding boutiques are going to, going to make it? Or do you think that the brands are going to start to clamp, go back to um, working with, you know, multi-branded dealers again? Well, it's a tough one. Yeah. It's a tough one, right? Because, the the Booker Rolex acquisition shows that they probably want to put stuff in their own stores or at least control those stores more than before. Mm-hmm. Um, now people contemplated about whether Rolex wants to see what other brands do because obviously Rolex, um, Booker is a multi-brand um, store chain so it's not only rolex there but rolex could have access to sales data for all the brands that they are they are offering and rolex said they're never going to do that that's just a, it was just a business acquisition i don't know right um but anyways why would you do that why would you buy this traditional huge um name known worldwide if it's not for the control of what that store can sell um, or how this is a way to for you to p- put your, your stock out. I don't know. Um, the, the, the thing is, as you said, prices are going up. And um, 
I don't think that salaries go up in the same speed as prices go up, which means less and less interest probably eventually. And who's going to be the first to suffer is probably those uh, uh, those authorized dealers, right? Because any brand that have their own boutique, they're not going to close their own boutiques. They're going to remove their brands from, from the authorized dealers first. Um, it, it, well... You're right. That that could be a strategy, right? To consolidate within their own places. But when you see where these, you know, standalone brand boutiques are, they're always in a very expensive area, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember reading, and who knows if it's true, but, you know, like the the big stores on fifth Avenue, the clothing stores, a lot of them would say they lose money. Yeah. And it's just sort of, they have to be there, right? They have to be there in order to show that they're a fifth Avenue brand and they were making their money on, you know, placements and malls and things like that, right. Where they could, you know, pay less rent and, and that kind of thing. Um, watches don't really have that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I know people buy online, but you know, it's, it's, it's different. Right. And I just wonder if these, if these companies are going to stand by these crazy rents, um, you know, for eternity. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I walk by a lot of these places, there's nobody in them. Um, now some of them are brands that don't have any watches. So, but well, yeah, but but that's the thing, right? That's like a, that's like a, a bit of a catch twenty two. If you go to a store and they don't have the watch, or if you don't put you don't put you on a list or whatever, I don't I don't know. You're not gonna go in. You're not gonna go in. There's not gonna be demand. Of course, there's still demand. I mean, I, I'm I'm guessing these brands are not suffering for the time being, but yeah, I don't know. I I I think I don't so know either. I think some are honestly. I've I've heard some. Uh, Spill the beans, man! Spill the beans. No, I've just heard some some kind of rumblings about sales numbers and things, and they're tough. I mean, they're really they've not been good. Europe has been really bad. Um, even the U.S. has been tough. Hmm. So, you know, and that doesn't necessarily lead to closure of freestanding boutiques. It's just. Um, I just wonder if this decision to go whole hog into doing that and basically taking on, I guess, an expense that they didn't really have before, all for the sake of trying to control, you know, the sale price and the the market value or the supposed market value of your products, um, is really well. If it's going to pay off, honestly, because. We both we both know, right? Like if if it doesn't pay off and the watches sit there for a long time and new watches come in, what happens to those watches? Where do they get sold anyway? Oh, right? gray market, obviously. It, it, exactly. So, you know, and that they can come in and uh, complain about the gray market ruining the industry. Hello, who's ruining the industry? The gray yeah. market. So. But of course, this is all based on the premise that 2024, in my mind, is going to be a tough, a tough year for a lot of brands. So you think it's going to be tougher than 2023? Yeah, I do. I do. Mm -hmm. You think that the prices will still uh, continue sinking? 
at least for a while in 2023? I do. I think okay. the secondary market will. I do. Um, okay. I think that. Uh, I mean, that's the that's what we see, right? We see the prices going down, 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 um, and I guess just because we're entering the new year, it won't it won't stop. Now the question is, what's going to be quite interesting is what we're going to see in um, in watches and wonders, because is obviously those watches that come out in twenty twenty four are made or are planned to be made years ago, um, maybe planned to be made during COVID when 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 the business was booming. I don't know. There's always a good indicator uh, what brands are putting out if they're putting out everything, are they holding back stuff, or they're going to go full throttle, you know, because. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to uh, um, push more and more, and, and, and try to change the um, um, the sentiment by offering more. Um, but as you said, the prices going up um, on new models is not helping. Yeah, I think. Well, I, I hear again. I mean, not naming brands, but I hear that there are certain brands out there that are going to come out with some very cool stuff next year and not necessarily as focused on just doing dial color changes, you know, or, or just slight changes on the theme. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. hopefully <clears throat> that's true. Um, you know, maybe so, go ahead. No, no, no uh, finish your thought. So, so maybe next year will be as a result of, like you said, a couple of years ago is product planning that, you know, brings a rich new set of watches that, that ignites some fire. And by the way, I mean, you know, as much as I said, 2024 should be tough. I'm open to being surprised because, you know, the word we're starting to see inflation finally loosen its grip. I mean, it fell over here in the UK and so, so maybe we'll start to see some improvement on that end. So, so my question uh, that I wanted to ask is, <clears throat> if 2024, as you said, some brands are coming out with some fire stuff and or, or stuff that would, as you said, reignite the fire, what brand and or model and or complication in 2024 would reignite your fire? As in, what would you like to see? Is there anything... You would be like, wow, this is cool. Buy something by a brand, any model, any specific complication, case size, case material, anything we've talked about, right? Like what would be your wow, okay, this is this is not bad. Hmm. Well, you know, obviously I tend towards the smaller sized watches. Um and I like mechanical. Um, uh, you know, so I like just a think Hublot, I'm Hublot Big Bang, Unico. And 36, yeah. 36. Um, <laughs> Precious metal. Hand wound. Um, <laughs> Ultra thin <laughs> with a micro rotor. Honestly, Balash, I have no idea. I mean, you know, if the rumors are true about a white dialed Speedmaster, I think that's cool. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm with I you. I think, you know, been, we've talked about that, I think, for several years now. A white dial would be pretty neat to add to the to the regular collection. Um, I would certainly invite, you know, well, I, I, I would, 
not that I would I would be able to buy it or afford it, but I would certainly like to see like Patek come back out with a really attractive Calatrava again. I don't like any of them now. I think they're big. I think they're glitzy. You know, it'd be nice for them to bring back a a piece with a you know a nice ninety degree bezel again. Um, I don't know if I think about it like. I've not liked the IWC Mark series or basically a new IWC in years. It'd be nice to see them recapture some of their form from, you know, the eighties or nineties, but I'm not going to hold my breath. That would be such a massive change. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not sure. How about you? So would you like to see, um, maybe, um, Rolex Explorer in another case size again? Or um, another no, material I... for <laughs> for the for the the um, yachtmaster or sea dweller. Well, I always thought like um, I mean for the normal sea dweller, titanium probably makes sense there as well. Um, but you know, not that I would buy it again. But an all gold explorer would be cool. A white dialed explorer would be cool. Um, I don't need another case size. 36 would work for me. Uh, but you know, a new turnograph would be kind of interesting. Um, but I, I don't know, you know, there's talk maybe a mill gauss, but I'm not sure. Um, Hmm. it's, it's a weird year for Rolex. I can't really, put my finger on anything that they should have coming unless I've just completely forgotten about a watch that's due for an update, you know? Yeah. And I have, uh, you know, kind of small to zero interest in Rolex next year. I mean, they do what they do. Modern Rolex to me is just not that exciting. Um, well, as we established earlier, vintage Rolex can be quite exciting. Yeah, that's true. To- <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, they're, they're nice watches. Don't get me wrong with Rolex. I just, you know, I, the, the, the more polished aesthetic, it's just not my thing. Um, yeah, I get it. You know, Tudor is always a big question for me. I think every year we go in thinking like, what the heck can they do now? I mean, okay, an obvious one is probably a blue dial on this uh, Pelagos, right? Um hmm. But I don't. I don't know what else. It's hard for me to think about what. Um, um, yeah, I, I don't know what uh, what they're going to come with. I mean, I mean, you can also think of the. Um, you can also think of the Swatch Group brand, right? Like um, the White Dow Speedmaster we talked about. Yeah, that 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 would be cool. Um, I think Tissot with the PRX, maybe not the PRX digital, but the PRX, they, they came out with new sizes, with new colors. Um, yes, uh, one could say that the Tissot will become a one trick pony with the PRX. I think that's very far from the truth, but it's definitely their best seller and for a reason. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious what they're going to do there. And, uh, last week when I was in, in Frankfurt, as I said, I met Siv Andola, the CEO of Tissot who I know for many years now, and um, he he didn't tell me anything because he's much more professional than I am, but he hinted a few things. So uh, I think that could be interesting. Um, 
I, I you know, the, 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 the Swatch Blancpain collaboration, people loved it or hated it, whatever, you know, we, you, you and I, we went to the Swatch store and we kind of looked at it and decided against buying it. Um, when, when, when I, last time I saw you, um, I'm curious if Swatch has anything in store with another brand. Um, I said it many times and I'm going to say it again. People who complain about this collaboration saying, I'm not going to buy a Breguet because they made it with Swatch. You would have never bought a Breguet anyways to begin with. So yeah. stop it. Um, so that could be interesting. Um, Sartina always has some, some very cool sports watches in the thousand euro or a 2000 euro category. Um, I think that's, that's, you know, we're talking to everyday folks. I'm very curious what Zinn has to, has to, um, show us next year because Zinn, they always have some very, very cool stuff. Yeah, kind of right. a big year this year, right? With the titanium piece. That was a nice it, watch. Right, exactly. And they always have like new materials and new designs or whatever the case may be. I think that's that's going to be quite interesting. Um, some of the micro brands or the smaller brands, I think I, I enjoy you know seeing new stuff from them. Um, Did you see Ming's 2023 wrap-up and what they're going to do next year? I was about to say that, yes. New um, diver. That'll be yeah. kind of neat. Yeah, I was about to say Ming or even uh, obviously Nevada or any of those other brands. Um, when it comes to Richemont, to be honest, Mike, I really don't care. Well, I really don't have any wishes there. That's a tough thing because um, unfortunately, I think their brands are, are getting hit pretty hard right now. And it's a shame. Yeah. Like we've talked about, I always I have a soft spot for Panerai. I I like JLC. I mean, I, I like that. I guess you can still get a nice, simple manual wound dress watch. Um, so yeah. there's always hope no. there. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, okay, let me, let me try it. I say I wouldn't care. I, mean, I don't care. It's just that it's in the previous years. I haven't seen really anything that's, you know, that was um, really talk. Yeah. It was really yeah. talking to me, but, but, I mean, this is no disrespect to the brands. I'm really curious about Grand Cycle, as always. Um, you know where the comment's going to be like, oh, you just mentioned the top five brands. Um, but not really. But but um, obviously, some of the other luxury brands, um, it's always a delight to see them, but no, they're, they're out of my price range. That doesn't... For example, um, I really loved the new Laurent Ferrier this year. For the simple fact that it was so different than what they have done previously in terms of being bold, being colorful, colorful. being yeah. being be, being even a bit playful with the design. I mean, they have a tourbillon. That, mind the way, by the way, I think that's like a salmon dial. When a tourbillon is on the back, it's not even on the dial. You don't even see it. So it's like a cool thing. I think that they did. That would be that would be my hope. Yeah. For, yeah, so so you know they did that in the past, of course, but then they, with the, with this playful new model, I really like that because they were such a traditional, such a kind of a classic, beautiful brand, and and I would have never thought that they could do something like that, and they didn't. It was awesome, right? Moser is also always always oh, yeah. interesting to see, always interesting. And how, about, how about anything new from Bulgari? Well, well, there you go. That's that's the other thing, right? Like. Um, the the carbon this year and i talked about this that was that was one of my highlights i mean it's it's a wonderful watch um so anything from bulgari uh, is is always interesting to see what they can come and, up with and i don't know like um doxa mind you 
Yeah, Doxa. Um, But, uh, you know, obviously Cartier gets a lot of coverage these days. And I Mm -hmm. I do go look at their site, like at the manual wound tanks um, and the tank Sintre, like the long one. Um, And they've got some pretty fascinating dials on the manuals right now. The just kind of like these very art deco looking things colored and... I think they actually re- released some watches that don't don't get uh, covered very much, but you've got to think right now with a lot of coverage, or I should say a lot of hype about them in general, they'll come up with some pretty cool stuff. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think there's... I'd like to see some cool citizens, you know? Some nice. citizen Tuyosa yeah. c- with, with a different dial color. Or maybe even different size. That would that could be that could be because uh, it's like a, I think it's a forty right. It's a forty millimeter watch. Yep. Um, and it's like a four hundred three hundred dollar watch. So it's it's awesome. It's like the PRX plays in like the six hundred to a thousand uh, euro or dollar price range, and this is like one step down, like a three four hundred euro price range. And I think right now they have like what they have like black, green, yellow, blue, and like Tiffany blue or or or, or light blue, however you want to call it. I would like to see it in another color or another size. So mm-hmm. there's quite a few things out there. I think with Seiko having done that um, gray dialed navigator recently, they've they've created for the Seiko Five collection. The oh Seagates. yeah, they can do a lot on that. They don't need yeah. to do a, a GMT. They've got all those sport divers. They can now. You know they've they've got a huge well to uh, to harvest from, and we could see we could see some pretty cool reissues out of them too. So, um, yeah, you're right. That was that, that was a fun watch. You know, we we saw that in London as well. Yeah, and I think now with uh, well, one of our favorite watches that uh, SBGW the 305, the manual wind on bracelet. Um, Mm-hmm. Finally, coming worldwide, we should probably see some more colors with the bracelet now too. So, yeah, though, though, it's good that um, these moderate sized pieces are popular now. So it should mean we get more more variation in the next year. So, yeah, it it'll be an interesting one. I think that there'll be. I hope there's a focus on value in terms of really coming out with with good pieces for the money and not just, um, repackaging something. Um, so I'll be, uh, well, we'll both be watching. Right. So. Absolutely. So here's a, here's a very, very last question. If you could, you, you don't see the watch, you don't know the watch, but I'm going to tell you there's a really cool chronograph coming out and there's like a really, really cool GMT coming out, but you could only see one. Which one would you be? Which one are you more interested in? A new, a very cool new GMT. I'm not going to tell you. I don't know. Hypothetical question, right? There's no brand, no nothing. It's just a very cool a watch with a GMT complication, a very cool watch with a chronograph complication. Which one you want to see? Can the chronograph be manual wind? I'm not going to say anything. No, it's probably not. So I guess I'm going to go with the GMT. Yeah, me too. I'll go with the GMT. Yeah. What about, you know, I'll, I'll ask you one last question before we go here. So is there any, I don't know, is there any one watch that you think could be feasible this year that you'd like to see? Is there any one 
whether it's a reissue, whether it's a new, you know, you want to see this style of watch from this brand because it's time they either redid something or finally came out with one. Is there anything you're looking for? Probably the white Speedmaster, because yeah. I think white is is an easy color, but it's also not an easy color to do because yeah. there's so many tones and shades and executions of white dials, right? And we've seen the, you know, like the the Mitsukoshi dials, for example, those are panda dials, I know, but they're white, black panda dials. Um, I would love to see something more more um, silky white, if this makes right. sense. Um, if it's done, and I, you know, I have trust in the, the people at Omega. We, we know those guys, they, they always do good stuff. So I would love to see a white dial. Now, whether I like that white dial or not, that's another story. I mean, f- for me personally, for my collection, but that would be very interesting to see um, a white dial uh, uh, Speedmaster. Other than that, buy, do you think you'd buy one? I, if there's no extra charge on the price because it's white, maybe. Ooh, I might hold you to that. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, that that I, that I'd like to see. And also, what what if Bulgari is going to continue with the carbon watch? Oh, are you going to step up for one of those? Maybe not with the gold indices and the gold hands. I, I wasn't a fan of that. I mean, as I said, I understood black and gold. We, you know, we've we've seen many watches with that. Uh, Docsa as well and stuff. If they could do like a carbon and steel or white gold, whatever, yeah, could be interesting. Could be interesting. Mm. Yeah, but white down Speedmasters is what is what I'm. Uh, it's time. I agree with you. Totally. There you go. All right. Well, I think we've uh, jabbered on enough here. We're at a, we're at one seventeen, so that's fine. I uh, yeah. Again, to all our listeners, a very happy new year, and um, we'll um, yeah. You and I can reconvene for our second show of the year and figure out what we want to talk about. But I think this is a. It's a good way to 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 close off 2023 and and look into 2024 without um, you know getting into too many predictions. I guess um, yeah. put yeah. some things we'd love to see and I guess thoughts on the market and that type of thing. But um, hmm. yeah, it should prove to yeah. be a prove to be yet another interesting year, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, as I said, or as you said, I'm I'm very very curious what 2024 is going to bring us. Um, again, uh, happy new year from, from my side as well. Let us know in the comments, what you, what you're looking for, what you're wishing to see, um, what brand names we mispronounced again. And, um, <laughs> Mike will answer to each and every comment. I'm just going to like them <laughs> or not <laughs> or not. <laughs> there you have it. All right, buddy. Well, with that, Mike is out. Well, I just have it.